You guys ready to get in the Word tonight? Well, we're going to start a new series tonight. I'm real excited about it. You know, the Lord has really directed me in these Wednesday night services. Ever since day one, the Lord was so strong about we were to have a full-blown Wednesday night service that there had to be two major services that would be the foundation because of, of all that he would want to do. And so from literally from day one, you know, Sunday, uh, that was our 16th anniversary of our first Sunday service. This is the 16th anniversary of our first Wednesday night service. So 16 years ago today, we uh, were in a Scooter's coffee shop in Elkhorn. And we pulled the blind down over the window and put a little projector on a table to put the words up. And we brought a keyboard in and had a couple singers and we had worship. In our bulletin that Sunday, we said, come Wednesday night to get grounded in the word. <laughs> little humor there, right? And uh, we had church and we've been growing ever since. And, uh, you know, like if you noticed our Wednesday night service is growing and growing and growing. It'll continue to do that. Um, these services are designed to equip you to walk out God's plan for your life, to equip you to do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ is built up. Listen, when God builds you up, when he builds up his body, he wants to build you up first, right? Because you can't give somebody else something you don't have. You can't take them someplace you have never been. So that's what these are designed for. You know, we're real big on teaching people how to walk by faith how to walk in love, how to be led by the Spirit of God, how to, how to yield to the strength of God and the grace of God, how to walk in our identity as the righteous children of God, all of these things. So now I want to kind of, we're going to kind of get into some issues uh, that will really help round out all of these major things. You know, uh, I believe unless the Lord changes direction, I, I think he's released me uh, not this Sunday, obviously, Earl will be here, but the next Sunday, we're going to start a, a big series on the righteousness of God. And that's going to really teach us about our identity and, and who we are in Christ and all the benefits of that. Well, we're, you know, we're going to get into a lot of things. I've really had on my heart, and I believe it's from the Lord, that we start to talk about how to be wholehearted as Christians. What do I mean by that? how to develop a willing heart. That this is so important, and the Bible says so much. And, and the Bible, you know, we're going to go to Isaiah 119, you know, where it says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. In the Hebrew language, it literally means you will eat the best that the land can provide. But I got to tell you, you got to develop this. Because to be in a state of being completely willing all the time and completely uh, obedient, it's going to take focus. And what I mean by focus is while you're living this life naturally, your focus is spiritual. You learn how to live out of your spirit so that you're spirit-led, not flesh-led or not led by your head. So let's get into this a little bit. It'll, be a, it'll, it'll help you. Uh, and, and it'll just help, help you in your walk of faith and everything. So let's jump off. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 16. And we're going to read verses 16 and 17. 
as we launch off in this. This is talking about the Word of God. It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That, that word, that phrase, inspiration of God, you could literally, the literal uh, rendering of that in the Greek language would be, all Scripture is God-breathed. All of it. And, you could read it this way, and all Scripture is profitable for doctrine. So it profits us for doctrine. What does that mean? That word doctrine means instruction. So in other words, the word of God is what instructs us. Okay? We have an instructor. His name is the mighty Holy Spirit. And he only testifies about Jesus, who is the word. He'll only speak about the word. And he wants to instruct us. It also is profitable for reproof. This is big. That Greek word reproof literally would mean proof. It means evidence. In other words, the word of God will always be your evidence. If you want to know whether you're bound or whether you're not bound, you can't go by how you feel or how it looks. The Bible says this is your proof. Don't worry about a doctor's report. You already have the great physician's report. And the great physician's report, if you will embrace it and believe it, will change any natural doctor's report. Thank God for doctors. Right? They help us in the natural. But they're limited by natural human knowledge. However, God is not limited. He's not a practicing physician. He's the great physician. Right? It's also, all scripture is profitable for correction. Ouch. It's profitable for correction. Do you know correction is profitable? Embrace it. We're going to see God does not use circumstances to correct you. He, he doesn't, he's like, man, you know what? I'm just going to let Tony get in an accident you know, just because, man, he's got to learn a lesson here, right? No, 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 no. That's not how God corrects us. He corrects us through his word, okay? Do you know how many of your brothers and sisters really believe that situations that have happened in their life is God? If you ever hear of somebody who loses a loved one and they're not a strong believer, Listen, the enemy's going to come over time and try to twist that to say that God took them. But God has never taken anyone. He's always, he'll receive people, but he doesn't take them. Why, why are people dying prematurely? Well, there is an enemy. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if a person is unable to lay hold of their healing, well, for us as a Christian, I mean, you're leaving a little early, but you still, you still win. But you don't even want to give the enemy a little bit of an inkling of victory. You don't want to leave the planet a minute early. Why? Because you're not here for you. You're here to yield all of your fruit. Your fruit needs you, right? So going on here, it's also profitable to instruct us in righteousness, 
It always is instructing us in righteousness, letting us know, listen, you have been made righteous, not because of something you've done, but simply because you chose to believe what Jesus did for you. He was made to be sin. He was made to bear all of our sin so that we might be made the very righteousness of Almighty God. And it will instruct us in righteousness. So like as you're going through your day tomorrow, it will instruct you. This is how a righteous child of God should walk. This is what's been provided. This is what you need to say. This is what you need to put up with. This is what you need to not put up with. Right? All of this thing. That right there, that doesn't move a righteous child of God. The, the, it will instruct us. The word will instruct us in these things. Why does it do this? In verse 17, it tells you why. That the man of God, that's male and female, that the man of God may be perfect. The word of God does all this so that you would be perfect. This word perfect doesn't mean flawless. It means fresh and complete. Fresh. Have you ever woke up in the morning and you just like, all of us, you just, when you woke up, you were like totally awake. And you got up, you were in a great mood and everything, that's, that's a feeling of being fresh. Do you know every time you read the word of God, you could tell where you are spiritually? Whenever you think about prayer or reading the Bible, whenever you come to church, if you're sitting there going, oh man, is he going to quote that scripture again? You're not fresh. Because <laughs> when you're fresh, it doesn't matter. You just love God's word because every bit of God's word is dripping. Well, why is this? See, the word will make you fresh and it'll make you realize you're complete. This, the foundation of this word perfect is complete. It's not flawless, it's complete. Okay? Thoroughly furnished, thoroughly furnished, that means thoroughly equipped unto all good works. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have had God do some good things for you? Right? You know, He has. He's done some good things in our lives. Do you realize, because there's some people sitting here, there's some people online that are sitting there going, nope, you know, I've been, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but there's, there's really nothing good that he's done. Do you know how many unseen things, bad things that have not happened to you, that you have no idea? I'm telling you, how many times have, have you not been in the intersection? Right? I remember I was going to go to work with one of my secretaries years ago when, when I lived in California. And uh, I was working for this company. I was a national sales manager. So I was going to go to lunch with her and we were going to go through a bunch of stuff. And, and you know, I was kind of in a, in a rush and I, you know, I had a ton of stuff going on. And uh, Dottie, this lady that I was going to go out to lunch with, she's like, she goes, Tony, listen, I, can I just do this and let's go, you know, like 20, 30 minutes later. And I'm like, okay, no problem. We'll just work around because I've got to go through some stuff because I'm, I'm hopping on a plane later to go somewhere. Who knows where? I don't remember. And so 
So we went to lunch, and, uh, and she also said this. She goes, and I have to run by the bank. And I'm like, that's no problem. We'll just go by a restaurant that's right by your bank. It'll be, it'll be no problem. You just run on in, you know, and everything. So um, we, we decided to go to the bank, and then we were going to go to lunch. So I pull up right to the front. She gets out. She walks in the bank, and she comes out like this. And I'm like, what happened? She goes, man, the bank was just robbed was just robbed. I was so grateful, right? She walks in and there's people being interviewed and there's, you know, a bunch of police and, and all this stuff. It was just robbed and we weren't there, right? I'm so glad. One time I was going to go out after church with, the, with a young man in our church and we were sitting at the light on Blondo and uh, 144th the light turned green, and I have no idea, because kind of when I drive, I'm going, you know? And I had no idea why I just didn't go. But literally about three seconds after the light turned green, a, a big uh, motorhome went flying through the light, probably going 60 or 70 miles an hour. I'm so glad, right? Well, there's, that's just a couple things. I, you know, some of the places I've been, some of the stupid things that I've done, street witnessing, yikes, right? In New York City, I mean, I, in Chicago, in, in California, you know, I found this one. They had this guy called the Night Stalker that was killing people. And then I had heard about this satanic group that would be out at the base of Saddleback Mountain and do all these, you know, rituals and stuff. But, but anyway, so I'm like, I'm this young, spirit-filled believer with all this zeal and no common sense spiritually at all, right? And I, I think, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get some guys and I'm going to go. We're going to go and we're just going to walk around where they, you know, we're out. I mean, there's mountain lions out there. There's all this rattlesnakes. So I go, I'm going to go at night right? So I go at night, and I've got my flashlight, and I'm going, I'm thoroughly convinced there were angels all the way around me just going, all the mountain lions, no, can't touch, we got, he's got to do some things on the earth, and he's just too stupid to know better right now, right? And I was really thankful that those Satanists weren't out there, too, you know? I found their little thing, I, I had my little thing of oil, and I, I mean, I'm putting oil on everything, it was hilarious, and I didn't know, I wanted them to know that I was there, so I kind of kicked over their altar, and I took a stick, and I wrote, Jesus loves you in the dirt, and then I left, right? You do stupid things. I'm so glad, God. See, now, when he talks about furnishing you for good works, those were not probably good works, right? Who knows? There might be some dude coming up in heaven going, hey man, I was a Satanist and we went out to do some things and I got saved when I saw that. Well, if that happens, I'll be happy, right? God, you need to know this though. Why am I saying all this stuff? God does everything he can to keep you legally. He can only move legally. Okay? Why do we suffer loss sometimes? Because we get in a position and we choose not to be willing and we choose not to be obedient 
and we get off in places that we shouldn't be. And God, God, God wants to protect his kids. He wants to help you. But he can only operate within the parameters that he has set up. So this is why this willing heart is so important. You know, we've got a lot of people, we used to have a lot of people in the church that would be obedient. You know what? Man, I'm just going to be obedient. I mean, those of us who are older kind of grew up. I'm, I'm kind of like one of those later generations of that. My generation started kind of going a different way after me, so that younger, even more. But now we're living in the generation of the church where most believers, they have no, no desire to be obedient. But they want the blessing. And then they're frustrated when they never walk in the blessing. But it's not because God doesn't, it's not like he's withholding it. You can't eat the good of the land if you're not willing and obedient. Well, and I'm here to tell you, obedience is not enough. He wants you to have a willing heart. A heart that is completely willing to do whatever he wants done. And you need to develop that. Your flesh won't enjoy it, but it pays big benefits. The more you give yourself to him, the more you obey him, the more he's able to keep you. To the point, you need to be a Psalm 91 believer that, listen, a thousand fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it doesn't even come near me. That's a guy who's fully kept, right? Why is that fully kept? That means that means I've given myself completely to him, right? And the Holy Spirit will help you. And listen, this is the way it works. You can make a decision tonight to start this. Now, your definition, you won't even know it. You think, man, I've given myself completely to him. And it, you know, it might only be 5%, but that's just where you are. That's totally cool. God, it, it gives God a legal right to just come into your life and keep you. Right? And then all of a sudden, as you think you're just, man, I'm just fully willing, then all of a sudden, you'll read something. Or God will say, go do this, and you'll be like, what? But if you'll keep just going, okay, I'm going to be willing. You read something in the Bible, all right, I'll forgive. Okay, I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to go do this. If you live willing, and you live obedient, God is, it, it takes all, all the restraints off the God of heaven to protect you in the earth. Jesus gave us those examples. They tried to take his life several times. You know, if a mob grabs you and they're going to throw you off a cliff, how do you just pass through the crowd? Right? That's God keeping him. Like he said to Pilate, listen, no man takes my life. Even on the cross, or when he was going to be beaten, all he would have had to do is say, hey, you guys, get me out of here. And those Roman soldiers would have had a real bad day. Right? Because the armies of God, the hosts of heaven, were right there. 
He said, my father could call legions of angels right now for me. But that's the way God wants you to live on this earth. You cannot, here's the big one, you cannot refuse the, the correction of God and embrace the blessing of God. You won't be able to embrace it, even though it's yours. So why am I saying that? Just, just you know, remember, you love your pastor. You're like, yeah, you know, because this is truth. This is truth. And guys, God wants us to go to a higher level this year. Here's the reality of life. You either want God or you don't. It's the bottom line. And if you're sitting here tonight or if you're watching online and you're saying, Pastor, I just, I just don't feel anything for him. Then I want to encourage you, hop over here in 1 John and just start reading. Out loud to yourself. Whenever a scripture hits you, write that down and start quoting that all day. Start confessing it over your life. I would encourage you to start feeding on the word of God. Then go to 2 John, then 3 John, then read the Gospel of John. Do that two or three times over time. As soon as you can, make the word of God the first thing you do when you get up in the morning. At the middle of your day, I don't care if it's when you're going to the bathroom if you don't get a lunch. Spend some time reading the word and before you go to bed and start doing this and what will start happening in your life is all that you are on the inside will start getting stronger even though you might not even understand the word but you'll be feeding on it. Feeding on the word of God creates hunger and it'll, it'll literally build a road for you to become willing and obedient. It'll change your whole life. We must have God as the center of everything. You can't have a part of God while you're rejecting other parts of God. It, does, it just doesn't work. Okay? Do you hear me on that one? So you can't say, I want, you know, I want your blessing, right? I want you to deliver me. I want your protection. I want your provision but I don't want your instruction. I don't want your correction. I really don't want your rebuking. I don't want any of that. I just want the good stuff, right? See, once you embrace this correction, I mean, you, once you embrace these things, you embrace everything else, okay? The more you let him in, the more he is able to do for you. The more you push him out, the less he's able to do for you. Does he get mad? Does, is, notice what I'm saying. The more you invite him in, the more he's able to do. The more you push him out, the less he's able to do. Not willing. Oh, he wants, he wants you to have everything, but legally he can't violate your will because... He will not, he gave you a free will. So God is always wanting to move. He is not moved by your disobedience. He's not moved when you're doing wrong things. 
It displeases him. But the main reason is he doesn't want to see you. End of the day, the wages of sin is death. All roads with Satan lead to death. He doesn't want stuff dying in your life. Now here's the good news as a Christian. If you have chosen this and had some things die in your life, guess what? He's the God who brings dead things back to life. Thank God for that. God is so good and the goodness of God causes us to make these decisions to move towards him. In other words, you live your life. This is, this is the passion of my life. I want all of you. I want all of you in every arena of my life. I want all your rebuke. I want all your correction. I don't care what it does in my life. I want all of you because I just want you. I know you're good. I know your mercy endures forever. I know you love me. And I want all of you in everywhere, in every arena of my life. All that you are, all that you have, all that you can do. That's why I give you all that I am, all that I have, and all that I can do. So this is the road. This is the road. So now go to the 110th Psalm. Let's get in the Word a little bit. And in this series, we're going to teach you how to develop a willing heart. We're just kind of laying a foundation tonight a little bit. Psalm 110, we're going to look at the first three verses of the 110th Psalm. Look at what it says here. It says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Okay? We know this scripture. At some point in the book of Revelation, there's going to be, when we're in heaven during the tribulation period, there's going to be a great angel that all of a sudden he's going to say, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God. And all the kingdoms of this world, the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. His, he will have his way. Right? Sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. Verse 2. Look at this. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. And then it says, rule thou in the midst of your enemies. In other words, God's going to send the rod of his strength. And then he tells us as his children, as the body of Christ in the earth, he says, now you rule, you rule in the midst of your enemies. You are to rule on this earth. The enemy is not to be above, he's to only be beneath. We are to rule with the authority of the name of Jesus in the midst of Satan, in the midst of our enemies. Wow. See, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. This is talking about the manifested power of God. God desires to manifest his power. Verse 3. Look at this. Thy people shall be willing in the day of your power. 
Now we look at this and, and because of the way we've been trained, what we're thinking is when his power shows up, we'll be willing. But that's not what this is saying. This is saying that when we're willing, the power is able to show up. Okay? Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The revised version really brings out the Hebrew in this. It says, thy people offer themselves willingly in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. I like the American Standard Version, the ASV. It says, thy people offer themselves willingly in the day of your power. Willingly. See if, do you see this? The manifest power of God. All of these things, the beauty of his holiness, the womb of the morning, the, the dew of your youth, all of it surrounds the willingness of the people. The willingness. In other words, and we're going to see other scriptures, there's a direct connection between, between God's power manifesting and the people's willingness to yield to him. There's a direct connection. Why are we not seeing the miracles that we should be seeing? Because the people's are not, they're, they're not, they don't have a willing heart. Most Christians come to church just for them. I want to go to church because, man, I, I, I want to feel good and I want, you know, I want this. That, that's great. You're, you're at least starting the process, but we got to get you beyond that. Right? So this is huge. You got to see this. The day of his power in verse 3 where it talks about it. Let me read this again to you. The people shall be willing in the day of thy power. The day of his power. In other words, this is telling us God wants to manifest his power. Do you know, if you ever get in trouble, do you know God wants to manifest his power? Whenever he calls you to do something, he wants to manifest his power. He wants to manifest his power in your life. But he's limited because there's a connection you got to be willing, right? So now let's go to Isaiah 1. I mentioned it earlier. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to read verses 18 and 19. I think I quoted verse 19 before. It says, come now, let us reason together. This word reason, let us reason together, it comes from the root word in the Hebrew language, which means to be right, to correct. Let's come come to me, he's saying. Let me convince you, right? To, and or let me correct you and convince you so that you'll be right, basically. God's saying, come to me, let's reason. If you ever reason with God, he will correct, correct you so that you can be right. In other words, he'll correct you so that you're no longer seeing your life as it seems. You're now, you're now seeing as it, as it really is. Okay? That's what he's saying here. God is saying, come now, let's reason. 
I want to show you, I want to help correct you so that you're thinking right, so that you're seeing right, so that you're seeing everything from my perspective because you're my child. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, we're New Testament believers, right? This was written to people Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. Now, guess what? Though my sins were as scarlet, they're gone now. Now, I've been made righteous, right? He's saying, come, let us reason together. What, why did it say that right before if you be willing and obedient? Because he wants you to know that all of redemptives, all of the redemptive blessings of God, all of it is tied to an intimate relationship with him. Every one of them. Why has God blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places? Because you're his child. He loves you. He loves everything uh, about his plan for your life. He loves who you are, who he's made you. He wants you to have everything. It's all tied. It's all tied to an intimate relationship with him. I am forever tied to him, right? He's my redeemer. He's my Lord. He's the lover of my soul. He's my friend. He's my dad. He's my helper. He's my strengthener. He is my life, right? So now, each of these blessings, they are tied and attached to our relationship with him. But we got to go a little further. Because though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. The reason why it's written like that is because there's an obedience piece. You're not saved automatically. When Jesus came out of that grave... He died for the sins of the whole world. But still, even though it's God's will that no man perish, that everyone be saved, there are still people right now that are literally dying and going to hell to a place that God never wanted them to go. So in other words, all these redemptive blessings, they're attached to an intimate relationship with him, right? And they're attached to obedience to him. Right? So guess what? Congratulations. If you're born again tonight, you're obedient. Right? You're an obedient child of God. You chose that. So that's a great start. So now we got to keep, be willing and obedient. That's present tense. Right? So now it says here in verse 19... If, why if? Because the decision is yours. If you be willing and obedient, you shall. Now that is the strongest Hebrew wording that you could have. There's no, there's no room. There's no way a person could be willing and obedient and not eat the good of the land. Actually, the best that the land offers. The Lord told me before we started this church, 
He said, Tony, I've given you the best of Omaha and the surrounding areas. Why? Because that's what God does. God wants you to have the best. But it'll be tied to you being willing and obedient. What do we do in the church? Oh, pastor, don't even get into that prosperity stuff. Right? Well, you can't talk about a willing heart without talking about the financial area. Because guess what? The financial area, that's kindergarten. That's, that's kindergarten. That's step one. God needs you to trust him in the area of your finances. To where your, your heart is fully willing. Yeah, but I won't be able to have food. I don't care. I'm paying my tithes. I'm, I'm bringing my tithes to him. He's not a liar. He said he'd meet all my needs. Right? The greatest series on tithing we could ever have in this church is just bring up the people in our church that tithe. I mean, you'd interview them. If you've tithed for three years, you will just go, man, breathing's optional, living in a house is optional, but honoring God in my finances, that is not optional. And what happens is it frees you from the world system. It completely frees you. It actually frees you from materialism if you're willing to honor God. And you're fully willing in the area of your finances. Because not if, when God tells you, oh, see that thing that you've been believing God for forever, and you finally got it, and you're so happy, and you're loving every minute of it, give that away. And you're just, you know, that's how come you got to develop a willing heart. Because when you have a willing heart, you're like, you get excited. When you don't have a willing heart, you're like, what? Especially if he tells you to give it to somebody that, that you perceive has more than you. Right? Wait, they don't need it, but, but I worked hard, right? That's not a willing heart. But when you know God and you have a willing heart, you'd be like, wow, you want me to give this? Wow, Dad, what do you have for me next? Right? Because you know. You know who he is. What, do you, what are you doing in my life? What are you teaching me? What are you getting me ready for? Right? And you're not thinking material. You're thinking, okay, are you going to bless me with enough money to start a, a daycare for people getting out of jail? Are you going to help me start a food bank? Are you going to help me... With, with the revival that's going on in another nation? Or what are you, you going to, are you going to help me to build churches? You, that's the way you think as a Christian. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. In the Hebrew language, you'll eat the best that the land can provide. The CEV version says this, if you willingly obey me, the best crops in the land will be yours. It's not just obedience, it's willingly obey. The Young's Literal Translation says this, If you are willing and have hearkened the good of the land, you consume. See, this is actually a prosperity principle, a foundational principle of our financial lives as God's children. However, it is so much more than that. It encompasses every area of your life. God wants you to eat the good of the land in your marriage, with your family, 
with your ministry, with your career, with your job, with everything. He wants you to constantly eat the good of the land. Why? You're in the kingdom of God. So staying completely willing and completely obedient is where we're going for here. So check this out. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. God's word says this. This is really interesting. It says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Right? If you were to take a string of $10,000 pearls and you were to go to a state fair and you were to put that in your hand and hold it up to one of those gigantic pigs, sows, whatever they're called, right? It would just chew them and spit them all over the place and whatever, right? Why? Because that pig does not have the capacity to appreciate a pearl. Think of, now, Jesus said this. So here's one aspect of appreciating something. One aspect of appreciating something deals with a willingness to receive and a willingness to obey. If you don't walk in, if you're not willing and obedient, you'll live your life and really not appreciate things. See, this is telling us if someone does not have the capacity to appreciate what you have to offer, then don't give it to them. Have you ever tried to share this, the greatest message that has ever hit the human race about Jesus dying in a person's place? And they, and they look at you like, well, I just don't believe that. You're, you're an idiot. That's pearls to swine. They don't have the capacity. So God's saying, don't give it to them. Paul prayed this, pray for me, that a door of utterance would be open to me that I would be able to preach the word of God boldly. Man, I'll tell you, I live my life like I have a green light with everybody until I get a red light. And if I get a red light, I stop. Right? And if they stay on my heart, I, I put them in my phone and I start praying for them. And I just keep praying for them. And I, pray, and I have got a whole list of people that I just keep praying for. Right? And I pray for open doors when I go to the restaurant or if it's a grocery store, if it's a gas station, sometimes I go places on purpose. Right? I mean, for a while, man, I was getting my gas over by, geez, what is that, Cracker Barrel, 144th? I mean, I'm like driving 30 minutes to go get gas. Why? Well, because of the person that was working there. Why? Because I, I just, you know, my job predominantly as a pastor is to equip saints. 
But as a believer, it burns in my heart that I've been made free. And free people want other people to be free. So I'm always looking. I've got a whole book, all these people that I'm working on, right? But I can't, see, I can only go so far. As a pastor, I can't, I can only go so far, right? If I, if I get around Pastor Edwin, the word just is like, why? Because it's an open door. He, he's, he's, he appreciates the word. So I receive from him, he receives from me. I get around some people I can't even, I can't even talk about the word. Oh, the word's there, it's in me, but, right? Have you ever met somebody that's been completely turned off by a Christian? Right? No, no, we're, see, this is the thing. God, he will literally manifest the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So as you leave, even if you don't say anything, you start praying and declaring, and man, he'll start living, leaving a fragrance. I get around some people, and I could tell they do not even want me. They almost cringe if I sit in their section. And it goes from that to where they sit in the booth with tears in their eyes going, Pastor, will you pray for me? It might take a year, but yeah, I'm here anyway, right? Do you see that? This is, this is so important. See, what I want you to see about this scripture is if God tells you and I to do this, do you think he doesn't operate this way? He does not. He does not give the good stuff to people who don't appreciate it. Oh, I mean, he gives it to you. It's yours. The moment you got saved, it's yours, but you have no access to it because you have to access it by faith. But he can't lead you into any of it, laying hold of any of it, if you're not willing and obedient. Because he's, I mean, have you, has that ever happened to you guys where God's kicked down your door and said, hey, you know, I'm tired of you not having enough money. Sit down. I'm going to go through scripture after scripture until you promise me you're going to start honoring me. I mean, has that ever happened to you guys? That has never happened to me. You know what I've heard when I didn't know how to believe God for money? Crickets. Crickets. But the minute I started moving in a direction, like thinking, oh God, you got to bail me out, that was an open door for him to meet me right where I was, and, and then he started working. But he was limited. Don't limit God. We're talking about finances. I'm talking about every area. Forgiveness is a big one. Trust is a huge thing. I mean, there's all these things the enemy wants. He does not want a Christian to live like this with their father. I'm willing, I'm obedient. You give me a squirt gun and tell me to go up, go for the gates of hell, I'm, I'm your guy. Because I don't care about my life. All I want is you. And I give you all of me. That's what we're talking about. See, being non-committal it limits God. Guys, in our word of faith circles, we have so many people that can quote so many scriptures and understand, have a, have a natural understanding of, it, of, how, of principles of faith that would cause them to be world overcomers. 
But because they're non-committal, they don't really, they don't, they never move from being a listener to being a doer. That's why we're teaching this. So now I want to, as we're kind of coming down the, the hill here, I want to look at a couple examples. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 16 first. We gotta, we gotta look at something. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Hallelujah. This is so important. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Now Samuel, the prophet, God is sending him to pick the next king of Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, Look not at his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. And then it says something that I need you to see. For the Lord, now this is the Lord who never changes, for the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For, the, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God is always looking at your heart. Does that make sense? Why is he looking at your heart? Because, man, if he could get a glimpse of obedience and willingness, he's all in in your life. The willing heart makes the gift, makes the act, makes the service acceptable. The willing heart. If I was up here preaching tonight, doing God's service... What makes it acceptable to God is a willing heart. If I was up here with wrong motives to be seen of men so that you would think something special of me, guess what? That would not please God at all. Now, would there still be an anointing? Yeah, because he would confirm his word. If I preached his word, he'll confirm his word. The anointing is upon his word, but he doesn't confirm the man. And it would not please him. And, and man, you know, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ and you were standing there going, oh, here comes pastor. Man, he's going to get that well done. And all of a sudden you'd see this burst of flames. And all of you operating in the love of God would go, ooh. You'll walk up to me and go, hey, it's okay. You look all right without eyebrows. They'll grow back. But no, no, God's looking at your heart. When you go to work tomorrow, he's looking at your heart. When you're sitting in church and the Holy Spirit starts prompting you to get involved in your local church and care and do some things or, or give or, or whatever it is, wherever you are, if he prompts you when you're in a grocery store to pay for somebody's groceries or walk up and ask him if you could pray for him, all this stuff, he's looking at your heart. And, and it's your heart that makes everything you do acceptable to him. This is, this is huge. So in other words, to see the power of God, to walk in the blessings of God, to see the revelation of God, it all starts with being willing and obedient. Not flawless, Because will you ever mess up? Yeah, but when your heart's willing and you choose not to be willing, you'll jump right back. 
you'll do whatever it takes because you're, you're really willing. You just gave into your flesh for a second. Of the willing heart, it's so important. So now let's look at real quick. For, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Here's another truth. This is happening right now. We, you want to know what God is doing right now in addition to holding everything in place? This is what he's doing. 2 Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To sh- why, why is he doing that? Why is he scanning? What's he scanning? The hearts of his children. There he's looking all over the world. He's looking at their, his children's hearts. He wants to show himself strong. This word, this, this word strong means he wants to fasten. He wants to cleave you to him. He wants to bind you to him. He wants to seize upon you and be your healer, your provider, your everything. This Hebrew word means he wants to strengthen you. He's looking throughout the whole earth to see who he could strengthen. You know what else this Hebrew word means? He's looking through the whole earth to see who he could cure. It means to cure. I love that. It means to help, to repair, to fortify, to establish. He's looking at the hearts. You want to be established, fortified, strengthened, cured? Do you want to be bound to him? Look at this. He's looking through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those, these are the only ones he could do this with, whose heart is perfect towards him. Perfect. Darn it. Pastor, this was a great sermon right up until you said perfect because I'm not perfect. As a matter of fact, I messed up this afternoon. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm sitting there with my wife right now and we're not really happy with each other. But we're smiling because we don't want anybody else to know that. I'm just messing. Perfect. Perfect, this word does not mean flawless. It does not mean flawless. It literally means faithful. It means loyal. It means dedicated. It means devoted. And the foundation of this word, it means wholehearted. He's looking at those that would devote themselves to him, that would be faithful, dedicated, and loyal. He's looking for willingness. That's all he's looking for. You don't have to know how. You just have to be willing. Isn't that awesome? Perfect towards him. Wow. God wants to show himself strong. He wants to manifest his power in your life so that you who have been made free can now walk free from all addictions, from all financial bondage, from from everything, from your past, from hurts, from wounds, 
from horrible things that have happened in your life or in your family, right? He wants you to walk free from that. And it's going to take his power manifesting in your life. Man, have, have, have a form of an addiction. Have a stronghold in your mind. Have bitterness and offense in your heart and try to overcome that on your own. Man, why do that when you could literally just go, God, I am willing and see the power of God manifest and break the power of that thing right off of you because you've already been made free. This is what we're talking about. And here is probably one of the biggest lies that the enemy has ever told the church. We have multitudes and multitudes of Christians praying and waiting on God until he would be willing and move. When all the time God is willing and he's waiting for us to be willing. Religion, just keep begging him. God, I need this. Please, please, you, please be willing to help me. And God's up there going, I am. You got to be willing for me to help you. Do you see the lie? Yeah. When God gets willing, man, guess what? We'll have miracles, healings, prosperity, deliverance when God gets willing. Guess what? No, no, no. No, we're going to have all that when we get willing. Well, I say we have it in 2023. Right? See, isn't it, isn't it frustrating when you don't see miracles in your life? I mean, watch, watch a show. Go watch The Chosen. And, and when somebody, when, that, when a paralytic gets healed, you're just like, yeah, that's, it's not a fantasy. It, it's, it's down in your spirit. You're like, I have to see that. I want to see when I go somewhere and I see them getting a paraplegic out of a vehicle and they're in this wheel. I mean, could that, it just burns within you to see God completely eradicate the work of the enemy so that person could be whole. Guys, the whole reason why we're not seeing it is because we're not willing and obedient. Well, I say, let's be willing and obedient. And we're going to have to help each other. Because we tend to jump back in our flesh. See, what you believe is what you will act upon. A perfect heart is a heart that is willing. A heart that is just completely willing to do whatever he wants you to do. Amen?